0: Jeffsky takes flight as SGA plays through the contact, banks it into the foul.
1: What
2: is up and welcome to the uncontested post-game podcast. The Oklahoma City Thunder were in Utah tonight to take on the Jazz, and they fell by a final score of 137 to 101. A 36-point loss, but feels like a loss that Thunder really, really needed. Um, of late. Regardless of who they throw on the floor, seems like they have been winning games that maybe they shouldn't have. There's been one here and there where the level of talent between the two teams is fairly similar. Um, thinking back to like the, the Portland game earlier this week, the Thunder winning that game is not surprising, but more holistically, there's been a couple games recently they, they flat out should not have won. At this point in the season, they've got over half of the active 15-man roster out for the season with injury and they've been throwing in a bunch of G league guys, um, guys that quite frankly for any other team across the league would not be playing any NBA minutes and have found a way to win games. And so if you look back at their last, you know, week or so of games, so prior to this game, their last five games, Oklahoma city had won three of those games. So, Three of five is not great, like, over the course of an 82-game season, obviously, that would be a, a great record, but relative to their entire season, like, they entered that five-game stretch with 21 wins, and then they win three more in the last five. Um, they, they beat the Portland Trailblazers a uh, week and a half or two weeks ago, not surprising. They beat the Trailblazers again earlier this week, again, like I said, not surprising, but the one that sticks out is the Phoenix Suns win. And albeit, and this has kind of been a theme over the stretch here, um, tonight, like Utah did not play some of their top guys. Um against the Suns, same story. Um, Devin Booker didn't play, DeAndre Ayton didn't play. Um they still had Chris Paul, they still had Mikkel Bridges. But overall, like against the Suns team that even without those guys, like Chris Paul's missed time this year, Devin Booker's missed time this year. They're such a solid team that even when they're not at full strength, they've been, by and large, the best team in the NBA. They're the only team to this point that has 60 wins, and and they look like a clear favorite twin at all. They come into Oklahoma City, and the Thunder beat them by 20-plus points. That kind of win is what kills lottery odds. So two weeks ago, prior to this, you know, three of the last five entering tonight against Utah, go back and listen to any of our, our post-game pods or our, our group pods around that time frame, It felt like there was a real chance that Oklahoma City would get top three lottery odds. Fast forward to today, as we're recording this on Wednesday, April 6th. Not going to happen, right? At this point, there's a chance that they even fall to the fifth fifth best lottery odds. I guess fifth worst um, record in the NBA. And tonight, like I said, felt like a must-lose game. They only have two more games remaining after this, both in L.A., one against the Lakers, one against the Clippers. Lakers game, toss-up, right? That team has been horrific this year. Um, LeBron still potentially injured. I would not be shocked if he didn't play in that game. And the Clippers, last game of the season, deja vu from last year, Clippers should have the talent to beat Oklahoma City, regardless of who they throw on the floor, even if they throw out their bottom eight players. like That is way more talent than Oklahoma City has right now. But being the last game of the season, who knows the motivation is, like, is there even a desire for them to go out and try to get a big win? Like, like every team wants to go win every single night. Um, that's that's from Oklahoma City's standpoint. When you throw the players out there, they're playing for future contracts. They're playing to showcase their skills, all the way up to teams like the Clippers that have the talent to make a splash in the playoffs, potentially, even if they don't play their top guys. Like They're going to be a competitive team, and they will have more talent than the Thunder, uh, but but who knows what happens? And tonight, a thirty six point loss, like I'd mentioned, that's not a good look. Like, not not as bad as some other losses have been this year, but it really felt like a, a game in which Oklahoma City really needed to lose, and they did. Um, so now they're they're three and three in their last six games. Again, still not. I guess it's it's better than you'd like, but but still not bad enough to get those top three lottery odds that a week or two ago that, that we were hoping Oklahoma City would have a chance to get. Obviously there's no guarantees with top three lottery odds. They could fall to five. Indiana could jump them in their reverse standings over the next couple games and they could still have the number one pick. Like the the flattened lottery odds, anything can happen. We've seen crazier. In fact, like being the fifth best lottery odds, um, could easily be number one. And when we've seen teams below the fifth lottery odds that have done that in the past couple of years since they flatten flattened this thing. So, um, Just a much needed loss, um, a big loss for Oklahoma City going into these final two games down the stretch here. So, looking at this game specifically, I don't want to get too in depth into the game itself. Um, Wasn't the most exciting game, even if it was closer. Just Oklahoma City doesn't have guys that are that interesting to watch right now. Just looking at some individual numbers Uh, Jalen Horde, a guy that's on a 10 day deal, which basically means he's playing out the rest of the season. Had a couple of really nice games. This is one of those situations where someone's got to score, someone's got to rebound, someone's got to assist. Like, There's going to be numbers. When you're only playing eight guys, the average NBA team is going to score somewhere from 80 to 120, 130 points on any given night. When you're looking at eight guys, like someone's got to score those points. There's going to be likely a 20-point score. There's going to be several players in double figures. Tonight it was Jalen Horde. In the past couple games, he's been a huge rebounder. He had a 20-20 game the other night. He had another game with 20 rebounds prior to that. Tonight wasn't huge in the rebounding column, only had five, which is, is interesting to say because normally, you know, five rebounds is is solid, especially at a position like Horde when you're the size that he is. Like he's not a true big, but he's kind of playing that that stretch four position and pulling down a bunch of boards. But tonight he was the primary scorer for the Thunder. Put up 17 shots, so it's kind of expected, but he put up 23 points. Uh, Isaiah Roby had 18 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists of his own. I don't think Isaiah Roby is a guy that will ever be great. Like, he's never going to be a starter in the NBA. And again, I, I'm kind of contradicting my point just a second ago in which someone has to score. And Isaiah Roby didn't play the first half of this season, which is kind of telling... In terms of what the front office and the coaching staff thinks of him, he's, he's certainly not a priority or a guy that they view currently as someone that would be in a regular rotation even next season. But his three-point shooting has been tremendous this year. Tonight, he was four of six from deep, continuing that trend. Uh, five assists is solid for a guy like him. Yeah, I don't see him playing center long-term unless it's like a few minutes as a backup center. He's more of a power forward. He's not quick enough to play small forward, but like in college when he came into the draft, he was a true forward. Like he was not a center. He's not tall enough to play, to be a center. He's 6'8". Uh, but he's, he's been really impressive in his extended role as honestly the best player that played Real minutes tonight. I think Jeremiah Robinson Earl is probably a better prospect long-term given age and skill set and what he's shown this season versus Roby. But... You're given minutes and you produce and you're doing these things it can't be overlooked um if isaiah roby was a 12th or 13th man on a contending team that means he's not going to be playing in the playoffs but over the course of the regular season um with injuries and and fluctuation and, and different lineups trying new things i think he could be a guy that if you could sign him for a minimum deal um over the next three, four, or five years, keep him around for super cheap. I would not be opposed to keeping Isaiah Roby around. I, again, he's never going to be a huge contributor. If he got cut at the end of this season and, and never made his way back to Oklahoma City, also wouldn't be shocked. But what he's done as a shooter, as a floor spacer, um, <laughs> won the first game against the Blazers by himself. When I say first game, not the first game they played this season, um, but the first game they've played recently, like about two weeks ago, hit the three to go into overtime. Um went absolutely off. Even in, in Denver. The Thunder beat Denver back in March uh, on the road. Isaiah Roby didn't outplay Nikola Jokic, but had a better stat line than him. Um just really impressive stuff from him. Again, it's it's that end of season stretch where you really can't take statistics into account. But if there's if there's one guy that I would say during these last couple of garbage months where everybody's out. And and someone's got to produce. Isaiah Roby has been impressive in in this new role. Um, off the bench, Jerry limited tonight. Uh, Mark mentioned that post game that coming off injury and he's had some soreness. Um, he's not going to be playing significant minutes down the stretch, which which makes sense. But in sixteen minutes, so he he was the actually out of the eight guys that played tonight, by far played the fewest minutes. Nobody played less than twenty six minutes besides Jerry. 16 minutes, 18 points. That's impressive. Like, 6 of 10 from the floor, 2 of 3 from 3, 2 boards. Solid game from him. Like, I, I still think that he's a a low-ceiling, um, high-floor guy. And, and Jacob, if you ever listen to our podcast, Jacob's high on him as, like, a backup role player long-term. I, I would agree with that. I don't know if he's good enough to be, like, the backup center playing 18 to 20 minutes on a contending team, he could certainly grow into that. Like he's a he's a rookie. He's an experienced rookie, which is why I think he's having more success than other rookies that were drafted in his range early in the second round. He's just experienced. He's played a bunch of games. He's he played at Villanova under Jay Wright. Like he's he's a guy that's polished relative to other rookies in the league and it's shown. Anytime he gets minutes, he's solid. He can stretch the floor. Again, I think he is more promising than Isaiah Roby long term. But a very, very efficient night from him. More points than minutes, which you'll take that any day of the week. And finally on the the Thunder side of things, Lindy Waters. um, I still don't think he's a guy that's even on this team next year, but he has surprised me. Uh, When he came in and and got that two-way deal, I was kind of surprised. Um, He was playing for the Enid Outlaws like 13, 14 months ago. And in a semi-pro league, continues to fill it up from deep. He's like better than 50% from three over the past couple weeks. Um, three of 10 from the floor tonight, but three of seven from deep. And all three of those came like in a burst, like he's a burst score. And that was in the first half. And you're thinking, man, is, is Oklahoma City going to make this game close? Ultimately was not the case. Like I said, lost by 36 points, but, but he's been impressive on the Utah side of things. I uh, don't want to get too in the weeds there. They're, they're an interesting team that, that's dropped some games of late, which is a little bit concerning in this game. Utah's lost uh, two or three games in the past month or so when they had 20-point leads. Glad that didn't happen tonight. But um, they, they look solid. I think that if they have a, a solid reset and can get in a new mindset entering the playoffs, like fresh slate, they could be a dangerous team, although they haven't looked like it recently. Um, no Donovan Mitchell tonight. But Bogdanovich, 27 points. Um 11-12 from the line. Didn't do much damage from three. He was 50% from deep on two of four from beyond the arc, but didn't shoot near as many threes as he normally does. Rudy Gobert, 20 points, 10 boards. Utah got a ton of production off the bench, which I think will be key in the playoffs. Rudy Gay, 12 points. Uh, Son Whiteside, 15-11. and 11. Jordan Clarkson, 18 points. Like They've got the pieces to be good. They crushed a Thunder team they should have crushed tonight without Donovan Mitchell. And so, all that to say, I think they could be a dangerous team in the playoffs, and, and it showed tonight. They, they look solid. Um, they should be a solid team moving forward. They just really need to hit that reset button pretty hard uh, entering the postseason. So, all that to say, um, that, that's, that's all I'm going to talk about in terms of, of tonight's game. Um, if you haven't watched it, I would consider this post-game podcast to be a solid recap. No need to go back and watch that. You didn't miss Anything. Uh, But I do want to pivot a little bit to the draft and what these next two games mean and um, lottery odds and all that kind of stuff. So Oklahoma City, like I said, won a few more games than expected of late. Uh, In fact, when you look at records since the All-Star break, um, Oklahoma City has the fifth worst record since the break. I feel like they got a lot of ridicule. Before the All-Star break for being the black eye of the league and tanking and, and yada, yada, yada. If you're on Thunder Twitter, you, you've seen it all. But even post-All-Star break, when it seems like it's been a little bit more apparent the direction they're going, they still haven't been the worst team in the league. Like, Portland has the worst record in the league since the All-Star break at 2-18. and 18. The Lakers' second-best record, or second-worst record in the league since the All-Star break, 4-17. Followed by Houston at 5-17. Indiana at 5-15, and, and now the Thunder at 6-16. Six and 16. So, pre-All-Star break, not one of the top three worst teams. Post-All-Star break, same story. Not sure why they get ridiculed. Maybe it's because some of the guys on their roster um, are G-League guys. And even, the other thing is, when you look at like Isaiah Roby and Viet Kretschke, like, there's a lot of guys in the roster that aren't necessarily G-League guys. Like, Viet was a, an early second round pick. Roby is a guy that has played for a couple NBA teams at this point and has been okay, but in terms of household names, is not a guy that people know. And so just because, you know, you look at you look at Houston. I was talking to someone last night. It's like, yeah, they're losing, but they've got a fun roster with Shingun and Green and KPJ. It's like, great, but they're still actually losing more. So, just because the names are fun and, and they're names that you know doesn't necessarily mean that they're tanking less, right? I, I agree that some of these teams under Oklahoma City, um, in terms of the reverse standings, have more guys available, but injuries are injuries. You can't really control that. And so, as it sits today, as I'm recording this after the the Utah game here, Oklahoma City still is locked in currently. I say locked in, that's not for the entire season, that's, that's as we sit, Um Oklahoma City's got the fourth worst record, so fourth best lottery odds. Um, four and six in their last 10. Um, third is Detroit at 27, 23 and 57. Orlando at two, 21 and 59. Houston, worst record in the NBA, second year in a row. They're at 20 and 60. Indiana has the fifth worst record in the league, which is kind of crazy. Um, all things considered, they came into the season looking like a team that. It was probably a lock to at least being the plan. Um, they shook things up at the deadline, made a questionable trade. Um, I guess it was questionable <laughs> questionable for Sacramento, who, who gave up Tyrese Halliburton. For, I think for Indiana, it was a no-brainer. But They gave up Sabonis for, for Halliburton, and even then, you think maybe they'll be decent. And they haven't been. They've lost eight straight games. Portland, as well, who's, who's the sixth worst, worst team, has also lost eight straight games. But Indiana is only one game back of Oklahoma City in the reverse standings. And so... What that means is if Oklahoma City wins one of these L.A. games and Indiana loses out, like coin flip for that that fourth, fifth lottery spot, um, that's possible. Again, we talked about this at the top of the show. Lakers and Clippers, who knows what they're playing for? Who knows who they're going to tread out in these lineups? Indiana is playing teams that they should honestly lose against, regardless of if they're um, playing like one of the worst teams in the league, or if they're playing like the team we expect them to be, like they've got two pretty tough games down the stretch. Um, it's just one game, though. And so if Oklahoma City doesn't lose out, they've got a chance of, of slipping to that that kind of 4-5 or five split. Um, seems pretty unlikely that Detroit wins a couple games here down the stretch. They've only got two games left. Um, it would be pretty surprising if they won one or two of those. So if I had a crystal ball, I would say Oklahoma City ends up in that fourth spot. And I think that's okay. That gives you a 48.1% chance at a top four pick, a 12.5% chance at number one overall. Um, Moving into three would only give them 52.1% chance at top four and a 14% chance at number one overall. So when you look at those, it's like 4% better for a top four, um, a percentage and a half for the number one overall pick. But what really changes is the the floor, right? The the higher up you are on the reverse standings, your pick, like the worst your pick could be, gets better. And so for example, Oklahoma City, um in the four spot now, as it sits, the worst possible pick they could get is eight. And there's only a 2.2% chance of that. So statistically, realistically, seven should be probably the worst they should actually get. But if you move into that three spot, all of a sudden seven is the actual worst and it's only a 7% chance. So you've got a really high, like a 93% chance that you get a top six pick. And then as you move up to two, six is the worst you could get. As you move up to one, five is the worst you can get. So it's all about raising your floor. I think that is out of the question, like I've said multiple times now. Um, but Oklahoma City, even if, even if seven, like a 93% chance, I guess it'd be for them, it'd be a 97.8% chance at a top seven pick. I think that's okay. You know, a lot of people freaked out last year when, when they got the sixth pick based on lottery odds, and they got Josh Giddy, who to this point, you could argue, looks like a, a guy that can end up being a top three or four player in this class long term with his unique skill set. I, I think we always say it's a top three, a top four draft, like there's different tiers. The closer you get to the draft, as guys go through the combine, that changes. We saw that Scotty Barnes. It looked like a top four class last year, and then Scotty Barnes slots in, gets drafted four. All of a sudden, Jalen Suggs doesn't look great. Josh Giddy looks like a top five pick. Um, so I think the, the top three in their own tier, and then there's like that Jaden Ivey looks like the clear four, and then five on is where it gets a little bit hairy. I think that'll change and clear up a bit as we get closer to the draft. So even if Oklahoma City ended up with like five, six, or seven, don't think it's the end of the world. I think with Presty at the helm, you kind of trust he's going to get a guy that that could be solid. Uh, but I do want to do. I know we, we're kind of wrapping up the show here. We're at about the 20-minute mark. I want to do a couple of spins just to just to get an idea. As it says today, you know, if we did three spins as an example, what what the potential outcomes could be. So quick drumroll. Sim number one. And if you like these sims and What kind of guys do you think that that would be drafted in that spot? Go follow Jacob Niffin on Twitter. He does more of these than he probably should for for his own health, but he does these um, simulations and and who the Thunder would take based on Tankathon's um, draft order. But I'll do three here live on the pod. So first sim. Ooh, okay. So in this situation, Oklahoma City jumps to number two overall. Detroit gets that top pick. Houston falls to five, so they have the worst record in the NBA, they fall four spots to five, that could happen, right, like there's no guarantee, even even pre-flattening the odds, there's no guarantee you get the top pick, although you had a better chance, Um, Houston falls to five, wouldn't that be something? At number two overall, I think Detroit's a hard team, to. a lot of these teams are, are hard to pin who they would take, just given fit, and some of the teams like Orlando and Detroit specifically, they've got young guys at every position, so it's really hard to think like who fits best, who they would take, who their front office values. Um a lot of people have Chet go number one. I disagree, but we'll say Chet goes number one here to Detroit. That would leave, you know, Paulo, Jaden, and Jabari there at two. I'm gonna go Jabari Smith Jr. So so spin number one, Oklahoma City jumps to two and takes Jabari Smith. But we'll do another spin just to show you how volatile these lottery projections can be same two. There we go. So in this situation, Houston just falls one spot to two instead of five the first time. Detroit, once again, lands the top pick on, on spin number two. Oklahoma City falls to six. So if I or Oklahoma City at six, and we assume the consensus top three go one, two, three, Jaden Ivey goes four, Again, five is where it gets a little bit tricky in this situation. Orlando has pick five. I don't see them taking Shaden Sharp. They've got a bunch of guards. They've got four number one, Markel Fultz. They've got Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs. They've got guards. Um, but again, they also have centers. They also have forwards. Jonathan Isaac hadn't played in two years. Mo Bamba looks solid. Uh, Wagner looks good. I'm going to say, just for sake of argument, Let's say at five, they go Keegan Murray. I don't like Keegan Murray, but but let's pretend. At six, that leaves your options as Shaden Sharp, Jalen Duran, Ben Matherin, those types of guys in that tier as it sits today. Again, these tiers are going to change. I'm going to go Shaden Sharp. I think that he's he's a guy that there's not a lot of tape on. If anybody is going to take the swing at him, maybe it's Sam Presti. Um, I'm going to go Shaden Sharp at six. Um, I think he's a little bit versatile in terms of where he can play. You could go, you could put him at a three. You know, you could put him at the two. It's kind of positionless. But if you had Josh, Shay and Shaden at one, two, three, irrespective of who's actually the one, two, three in the depth chart or in like the actual positional, like starting lineup chart, I think that fits. I, I really do. Sim number three. One more here. Okay, Orlando jumps to one here, Houston lands at two, Detroit sticks at three, OKC at four. This is actually an interesting spin. This is really, really interesting. The entire lottery stuck flat, Like like the reverse standings, one through 14, every single pick is identical of where those teams sit, besides Orlando and Houston. Orlando jumps to one, Houston falls to two. Everything else is uniform, so Detroit 3, OKC 5, Indiana, or OKC 4, Indiana 5, Portland 6, Sacramento 7, etc. So this is another interesting situation where, let's say that the top three, as it says today, the Jabari, Chet, Paolo, those three guys are off the board. This is where you go into... Do you, do you draft for best available? Do you draft for fit? Do you draft for age? Like, what do you do? Um, you've got Jaden Ivey here. That is the consensus number four at this point in the draft process, the pre-draft process. Um, I think it'd be hard for Sam, for anybody, to take Shaden Sharp over Jaden, as it sits today. I think if Shaden goes and dominates the combine, that's a different story, but it's also like Jaden will probably dominate the combine too, given his athleticism and and who he is, his passion, all that kind of stuff. We'll um, go Oklahoma City, takes Jaden Ivey at four. And so all that to say, three spins, um, Oklahoma City has the fourth best odds, just based on those three spins, and there's a million ways this could go, that would have them going, Oklahoma City going six, two, and four, um, taking Shaden Sharp, Jabari Smith Jr., Jaden Ivey. So moral of the story, regardless of how the season ends, gonna have you're gonna have the opportunity to raise your floor potentially you're gonna have the opportunity to lower your floor if you win games and, and Indiana passes you and, and Oklahoma City lands at five in terms of the reverse standings but how much does it matter? We don't know right there there's so many factors and these things are gonna fluctuate and and percentage points here, percentage points there. It's never it's almost never uniform. Like there's always a team that falls, there's always a team that jumps. So Moral of the story, don't overreact to these last two games. Whatever happens, happens. Um, if Oklahoma City jumps and lands a top pick, great. If they don't trust Sam, he'll try to move up. That's a guarantee. If he can't, he'll, he'll try to take the guy that's like the gem of the class and, and go best available. Um, it'll work out. There's a bunch of chips in Presti's pocket. He can trade. Um, there's a lot of a lot of, a lot of things he can do to, to make this team better. And there's no rush, right? If if Oklahoma City's not good until 2025, Presty's completely fine with that. It's it's about sustained success. It's not about rushing into like you see Houston fans like, let's maybe make the plan next year. Maybe you do, but that's not what Preston's interested in. He's not he's not trying to speed this up and make the plan as fast as he can. He wants this team to once again be awesome for a decade, although the last decade they did that and didn't win a title, like maybe they should have. But you got to put yourself in that situation where you're not a flash in the pan. You've got a couple years where you're good and you have a chance. You want to have that sustained success. So it's all about patience. Um, The next 2023 draft has some really awesome prospects. Every draft is going to have really awesome prospects. Even the the drafts that people say are are not strong, like the the, uh, LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards draft, people said it wasn't strong and, and look at the way those guys are turning out. Um, every draft's gonna have the guys that become stars, and you just gotta be patient with it. So, again, just wrapping up this pod. Um, the Thunderfall fall to the Jazz by a final score of one thirty-seven to one hundred one tonight. Two games remain, both in LA. We'll have you guys covered for both of those, and then we'll pivot heavy into off-season content covering the draft, free agency, um, trades, all that kind of stuff. So thank you guys for tuning in, and until next
1: time.